last couple of years. Really? Yeah. Shout out Gene Lamont, 75. Don't go back to Rockford. All right. Um, if we're ready, let's uh let's get going. Any yeah. anything? We good? Herb, you good? I'm just looking up Pedro Griffol's media guide page. Yeah. Um, all right. If we're feeling good though, then uh he was the start. bench coach the last three years, FYI. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he started with them for 10 years. Matheny, yeah. Okay. Um, All right, cool. Um, Let's get into it. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two or three bets up to $2,000. Welcome into a remote version and a podcast-only version of the CHGO White Sox podcast. You know it's the offseason if we're having pod-only versions of the show. I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. With me is the full CHGO White Sox crew. We got Vinny Duber. Here's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber, supporting a nice Bulls hat. And below me is Herb Lawrence. Hello. Follow him. And I cut him off. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. Uh, he is our CHGO White Sox community leader. Uh, I'm not used to these pot onlys, guys. We don't have a chat that I have to keep up with. It's just talking with the boys. So I was not used to just even Herb doing his normal uh, hello shtick. And I could have this in full screen as well. Um, so I could just focus in on you guys. Uh, it's odd being remote, but, uh, you know, it's it's the new normal, guys, as they said. Well, just for just <laughs> once a week, just yeah. once a week. Yeah, for our Sunday shows going into Monday, we will be doing pot only in this offseason. We're looking forward to it. And yeah, and this is our main voyage into doing this pot only forecast formula in the offseason. So I'm looking forward to it every Sunday, just being at the crib and uh, reacting to White Sox news and MLB news. So, and here's the thing, too. We don't have a, a you know, um, uh, what's it called? A... Uh, a producer here and I'm the producer. So now I can just mess with you guys the entire time we do this and I can continually uh, change the outlet. Oh, here's the title card as well. Um, I'm just going to completely buy points bet thing. Uh, I can, you know, we could just uh, screw around with you guys the entire and it time. It doesn't so even matter. <laughs> no, it doesn't no matter. one will no see one it, but it, it will throw us off and therefore make it uh, a more difficult listen. I'm sure. What a jerk. Nice. Uh, you know, hey, you guys are professionals. Uh, you guys got to stay on your toes. Anyways, uh, we're going to have two topics today because it's Bob Nightingale Sunday. Uh, Bob Nightingale had a notebook released today on usatoday.com. And there were two notes of White Sox interest that we will be talking about today. One involves Jose Abreu and one involves the manager position. And let's start with the Jose Abreu one. This is a note and wasn't the large part of the story, but just two notes from Bob Nightingale in the story. Quote, the White Sox loved having Jose Abreu the past nine years, and it has been nothing but a class act and valuable hitter, but they plan to part ways with him. Simply, they need to shake up their team and are making virtually everyone but Dylan Cease and Andrew Vaughn available in trades. Now, Vinny, before we get into the whole report here, I just found it interesting that the Andrew Vaughn and Dylan Cease things were mentioned because I'm pretty sure in your press conference with Rakan, not your, you were the only one i mean there were a lot of people in there even players um but i think one of your questions was about andrew vaughn i think specifically and he mentioned just the young core um so i thought andrew vaughn might be available it seemed like rick Hahn was saying everything's on the table but now this report's saying um maybe not so fast my friend uh so what do we make of dylan cease and andrew vaughn being quote-unquote untouchable well I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case you know i mean it basically comes down to what a preference would be right and i think the way that they've talked about andrew vaughn uh, you know, since the moment they drafted him, they've been talking about a guy who uh, is, you know, somebody that they see as being a massive part of this team moving forward. So um, I don't think that there's any reason to believe that, uh, you know, he's he's necessarily untouchable. But that being said, I don't think there's any reason to believe that they would do anything but hold on to him too. So, you know, if those two things can exist simultaneously, uh, yeah, I think they're going to look down every avenue to to make sure that they can improve this team. That being said, there are probably guys that they want to be a part of this team for the very long haul. We know how highly they think of Andrew Vaughn, so it is no surprise that he would be one of them. And certainly with the season that Dylan Cease just had, he would deserve to be in that, boy, we'd sure like to keep him around uh, for a very long time category as well. Couldn't agree more. That is the the situation with the White Sox. I'm sure they would want to come back with most of this team intact, but Rick Hahn has to be open-minded to changing this team because not only did the manager fail, but for the most part, it was the players who failed. And so this mix of players and injuries and 
uh, medical staff and coaches. This was a bad mixture in 2022. So it's a good thing to hear that Rick Hahn is available for everybody. Everybody's available in the trade market, not necessarily that he wants to trade these people. As I have said in these shows, I probably would prefer to trade Aloy Jimenez if anybody, but no, if I got my druthers and everything goes right, I would love to keep Aloy Jimenez, but this is the same thing that Rick Hahn is, has to be faced with this offseason where he loves this team and he pretty much brought this team all together. So it's going to be very hard for him to, to, to be apart from some of these players. And if it's going to be an easy move, and I put those in quotes, of just letting Jose Abreu's contract expire, so be it for Rick Hahn. For me, it's a little harder. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you and Tanny uh, used to say, you know, it has to hurt when you're making trade proposals or, you know, even these made up trade uh, requests because, you know, it's not going to be very easy, like saying, you know, Leary Garcia and Yasmani Grandal for Nico Horner, uh, yeah. like we want Luke and Cody to, uh, you know, bite on. Uh, you know, you need to give up those extra pieces that are going to hurt that real, uh, you know, front offices want. Um, and I just think that giving up Andrew Vaughn, Dylan Cease, Aloy Jimenez is just, really not seeing the window out. Um, I understand, you know, Jose Abreu is the guy and has been the guy for the White Sox for the past, I don't know, 10 years. Um, and, you know, he's played in every single game basically over those past 10 years, hasn't dealt with too many injury issues. Um, and you look at the Fangraphs war leaderboard right now, and he's the, he's still a top of the leaderboard uh, for 2022 for the White Sox. Um, but, you know, we talk about Andrew Vaughn. I even think that his production's been limited a bit because we know in 2021 him playing the outfield, he had to adjust to that. Um, he ended up hurting his back in uh, mid August on a dive and he really wasn't the same after that. And this year too, I, I just think that that probably played into part of the reason why he wasn't the best version of himself, but still you look at Andrew Vaughn, 132 games led the team in home runs. I don't know why there'd be a rush to get rid of him. You see Aloy Jimenez. I don't know why there'd be a rush to get rid of him after what he did in the second half, being the second best American league hitter besides uh, Aaron judge who, you know, broke some records this year. Uh, so I don't know. Like, I think that I do believe the part of the report that might, you know, that says Dylan Cease and Andrew Vaughn are, are, are untouchable. Um, but I, I might even throw Aloy Jimenez into that, 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 group as well just because i don't see why there would be a rush to get rid of aloy i mean you signed him to a cheap contract and we talked to robert murray a fan sided um you know i always thought since no other gm has rushed out and signed a deal to players who haven't even made a, a plate appearance yet um like rick Hahn rushed out and did that to aloy jimenez and luis robert um i think you're now starting to see some of the returns at least to aloy so i mean even when you bring up you know trading aloy jimenez that I'm still a little iffy on that. Like it really does seem easy enough to just let Jose walk out. And I know it's not easy for all fans uh, to accept this might be, or that might've been Jose Abreu's last game in a White Sox uniform, but it, it happened with Frank Thomas. It happened with Mark Burley. It happens with some of these guys. And I think it is just the easiest thing for the White Sox to do is, you know, you can just operate as Pito's not coming back and you don't even have to focus on first base and DH this offseason. Now you just have to focus to the outfield and second base, which have been issues for, you know, you've been scouting those those positions for a long while here. So maybe you'd finally be able to figure something out in 2022. I would just think that it's in the aggregate, it'd be hard to replace the numbers and the person that is Jose Abreu. It's going to be a big time drop off from the numbers, even though the power wasn't there, the production was there otherwise. And then the leadership and the, the, the godfather like status in the clubhouse that he has with those guys. That's going to be hard. It's uh, he's not just some guy that comes in there, you know, says hi to the, the teammates and walks into the dugout, hits home runs and goes back home. He's a guy that those guys look up to. They revere. And for a lot of those Cuban players, there's three in the four in the locker room. That's going to be a big time blow for those guys to not look over and see their big bro over there. Jose Abreu giving them guidance through the tough times. So, not only are you losing the numbers guy, which I think the guy will return to regular numbers of next year and Jose Abreu if you let him go, but you're losing the leader that those guys look forward to. So it'll be a lot for you to put this on to Aloy Jimenez and to Andrew Vaughn to make up Jose Abreu's numbers in the aggregate with Aloy playing all the games pretty much at designated hitter and then Andrew Vaughn playing all his games at first base for the most part. I'm looking at Andrew Vaughn's numbers through two years. I'm not that impressed yet. Oh, come on. I know he's good. I know he might be good. 
but his numbers are not that great yet. Well, well I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this, guys. It's yeah. going to be impossible for those two guys to make up for Jose Abreu because the, the whole point is that this year, Aloy Jimenez did not play to be Aloy Jimenez, right? He was not the Aloy Jimenez we expected. Now in the second half, he was certainly, but he missed all that time with the injury. And so Aloy Jimenez was not the Aloy Jimenez that was expected. Andrew Vaughn, yeah, sure. He led the team in home runs. It's not really saying much. It's not a high bar to clear this year on the White Sox, but he was not, I don't think, the Andrew Vaughn that we expected, right? I think people probably would say they expected, even if it's just a little bit, a little bit more. So in 2023, those guys already have the difficult task of trying to be themselves, they have to be better in order to be the thing that they were going to contribute to this team. And now you're going to take the best hitter off the roster and say, oh, also, on top of being yourselves, you guys have to be bet that you guys have to be so much better than yourselves that you have to completely make up for the fact that Jose Abreu is no longer here. Obviously, it's not going to fall on only those two guys. And I think that. I know you're focusing on those two guys because they would be the logical, oh, they go in the middle of the order. Certainly, Luis Robert is going to have to do a lot. Certainly, Yoan Moncada is going to have to do a lot. Heck, Yasmani Grandal's not going anywhere. He's going to have to be not only so much better that he would be Yasmani Grandal, and that's a long way to go from where he was this year to the guy that uh, that certainly the White Sox and a lot of people expect him to be as an offensive player every year. But now you're telling all these guys that they have to improve vastly to get to where they were supposed to be in 2022 and then improve vastly more because we just took the best hitter off the team. I don't think that taking Jose Abreu off the team would uh, be uh, uh, the only thing they would do, right? Certainly you would think that if you're going to do a shakeup, you're going to have to do a shakeup uh, and get some uh, another fresh face or two in here. Obviously we've talked about how difficult that's going to be for them to do. Um, but you can't, in my opinion, you are hurting your baseball team if the only reason you're getting rid or you're allowing your best player to to not be on your team anymore. Again, Jose Abreu has to want to come back too, by the way. Um, but uh, the, if you're if you're doing that with the sole purpose of well, we just got to make sure that the guys that we already have are going to play in their you know in a set position that we can't afford to have our best hitter back because Andrew Vaughn needs to play first base every day. Uh that to me is hurting your baseball team because you're getting rid of the guy who had better production than anybody else in your lineup this year in a year where by the way you couldn't score any runs. <laughs> so, right. Uh I mean the the offense that you lose by letting Jose go um is is so great that you better have this wildly impressive plan to replace that production on top of all those guys got to get back to where you thought they were going to be, not where they ended up at the end of this season. I think a way for Andrew Vaughn to feel more like himself would just be playing a position that he's played his entire life. I mean, just making that move to first base will make him more comfortable. We talked and about is that going to make him Jose Abreu. I don't know, but I mean, like From a there's, there's, standpoint? there's the quote before spring training this year. Um, Vaughn said his biggest takeaway from last year was getting used to the grind of 162 game season. So now he's had two years of doing that. He's now up to 130 games. And I think playing the outfield is just considerably less taxing on your body. So I think it would be possible to Andrew Vaughn to have at least uh, maybe a close-ish output at least game-wise to Jose Abreu. So there's a step there. Like if he plays 145 games at first base next year, you filled that spot with 145 games of a, a, a third overall pick. You're talking is, about games played. I'm talking about getting but, hits and scoring runs. Right. Andrew Vaughn this year, though, I mean, had more home runs than, than Jose Abreu. Um, obviously didn't have the hits, um, but I, I think we saw last year, you know, his walk rate was much better than what it was. He had under 100 strikeouts this year. I mean, like, there are so many parts of Andrew Vaughn where I think if he's comfortable and fully himself – body-wise, stamina-wise, that you're going to see more production. You won't see this drop-off late in the season that we've seen in 2021 and 2022. Andrew Vaughn has issues. Andrew Vaughn clearly has a stamina issue that he needs to work on to make sure that he can get to those 145 games played and he could play those 145 games as close to max effort as possible. But, I mean, even Aloy Jimenez, the 84 games that we saw this year, like, we'd say that's a freak injury that happened in Minnesota. He stepped on the bag the wrong way. If he, if he steps on the bag, just like an inch, a little bit shorter, he might be all right. And he might be, you know, still playing for the white Sox. So I would say that if Aloy has the benefit of health in 2023 and Andrew Vaughn is playing in his primary position, I think you'd be able to easily fill that production because it's two versus one easily. You'd be able to easily fill it's two the versus production. one. Yeah. 
If we think Aloy Jimenez is a 30 home run hitter, you just got basically 20 home runs from Andrew Vaughn. That's 50 home runs. Jose Abreu hit 15. That's a considerably larger more. Uh, that's a considerably uh, larger gap there. Jose yeah, Abreu but... OPS plus in 2022, 133. It's 33% better than the average major leaguer. Andrew Vaughn is at 111, 11% better from than the average major leaguer. I, 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 I don't and Aloy see Jimenez though, because Aloy Jimenez, you'd hopefully be able to free up that spot for him to play DH every single day. And then you wouldn't get 84 games from the 144 OPS plus hitter in Aloy Jimenez. But Sean, you can have all three of them. <laughs> can you though? I mean, it seems yes. like, they, it seems like they, they like it. To you me, just it feels to, like you can't go on with all three of them. I don't. You think would just have to play Aloy in left field. Why can't you just play Aloy in left field? We just saw the last time. The last time I saw Aloy Jimenez in left field, he was unable to chase balls down in left field in guaranteed right field against the uh, what was that Diamondbacks or A's? Um, that was on the Elvis Andrews night on Elvis night. So August 26, whoever the opponent was out, uh, he was really struggling the out there uh, to catch up. Yeah, the D backs. He was really struggling to even get to balls in the corner. And then also the other time we saw him was he was pulling up, trying to catch a routine fly ball in Cleveland. And he, he had leg surgery two months before that or however many months. So maybe you should protect was. the guy with leg surgery and, and just put him at TH because he was really fucking good. They won't tell us whether he can do that or not. And but also Sean, what like we hear from Malloy, he says he can do it. You're making a case for a person that's oft injured to play a position that does have value and that is his value to hit with the baseball bat it but if you want a lawyer on this team and you want andrew vaughn on this team i think you can in the aggregate think about making up that production from jose abreu but also you're just as as uh, um vinnie said earlier you're just having troubles making their own numbers firstly and now they got to make up somebody else's numbers and then you're but expecting it, all these other people to make up his numbers. Why, why can't you? You can have everything you talked about. Get rid of Gavin Sheets. And if you want to keep Aloy, he just has to play in left field. That's that's the compromise that I would have for those for the White Sox in the future. Because Aloy, I think, has the most value. You should be trading from a, per, a place of strength. And if you're not going to trade Dylan Cease, the next person on the roster, to me, is Aloy Jimenez. That is more most tasty for people around the world, around the league. Well, first, do we think that there is a way? I mean, Vinny, I know you you think, yes. You think there's a way with Andrew Vaughn, Aloy, and Jose on this roster in 2023? Yeah. To have those put a, I think you put Aloy in left field, you put Vaughn at, at DH, and you put Jose at first base. That would be that would be the way you do it if you want to keep Jose Abreu. Because I, I don't – I see Jose Abreu as a very valuable offensive player. And a team – whose biggest issue in 2022, the thing that sank their season more than anything else, certainly there were a lot of reasons, but the thing that sank it the most was offense, was that their offense was not as anywhere close to as productive as they thought it was going to be. Jose Abreu was the guy who was closest to being as productive as people thought these players were going to be. Does it mean that his power numbers were good? No, because his power numbers weren't good. They were not as high as you would expect them to be from a guy with the track record that he had. But he has proven over his entire career how consistent he is. And I would, I, I mean, I would expect that consistency to continue. I think a lot of people um, are so focused on the defense, are so focused on the defense that, and, and trust me, it has to get better. It has to get better. There's no doubt about it. But I think a lot of people see that the only path to improving the defense on this team overall is to put new people in those corner outfield spots. And I don't think that that solves the problem by itself. I think that more than anything, getting guys on this team who hit the ball over the fence and who you can re- and you can you can rely on uh, to make o- offensive contributions masks up or makes up for a little bit the defensive uh, you know, deficiencies that this team has. There's no doubt about it. Rick Hahn's in a tricky position, and I think we're all finding out how tricky it is just by suggesting one move here and there. You know, What is the domino effect? How much does it actually improve this team? One thing that I can tell you that I, I think it would be hard for people to disagree with is that as currently constructed, this roster is a lot better with Jose Abreu as a part of it as it would be without. I agree. But do you think that all three of them can exist in on this on the roster in 2023? Yeah. 
I think, I mean, it wouldn't be my favorite thing in the world to have all three back because of the glut it uh, it provide or presents itself. Then also you have another corner outfielder at AJ Pollock that will be coming back next year more more than likely with his thirteen million dollar uh, option that he's would be a fool to turn down. So he'll be manning one corner. Aloy will be in the other one. Of course, Luis in the middle. Is it a great uh, defensive outfield? No. Can it produce some great numbers? Yeah, definitely. But And I'm like you, Sean. I would love for Aloy Jimenez to get off his feet in left field because that would you know, kind of take away some of the injury concerns that you would have about him. But as we saw this year, he got hurt on the basis. So it might be a thing where the guy just gets hurt. You know, he has a lot of soft tissue injuries. And the one that he got hurt in spring training a couple of years ago was just dumb. The ball was 15 feet over the fence. He's jumping over the fence, you know, fun-loving, stuff like that. But he got hurt, so he get, took himself out for a good couple months. This keeps on happening with him. After a while, I just can't trust that. And so, yes, this can be done next year with Aloy, Jose, and uh, Andrew Vaughn coming back, even Gavin Sheets coming back. But it wouldn't be my preferred route. I think it's easy to just cut bait here. That way you can have Andrew and Gavin Sheets play first base. You could have Colas and uh, Gavin Sheets fight for that spot in right field. You can go sign an outfielder with the $18 million that you're going to free up with Jose leaving. And that DH spot just becomes Aloy Jimenez. I mean, you've compared him to uh, Jordan Alvarez before, and you go mm-hmm. and back and, and look at the prospect rankings uh, before both of those players were called up. And Aloy Jimenez was the sixth uh, highest prospect in, in, I think it was to fan graphs um, at that time. And Jordan Alvarez was down at 43. I mean, the hit tool is next level elite. And he proved that um, Andrew Vaughn and Aloy Jimenez uh, at the point where Aloy returned the season on July 6th, 25 doubles, 25 home runs, Jose Abreu, July 6th to the end of the season, 20 doubles, five home runs. I, I just think that it's, it's time. And I think that you can go out and, Get an outfielder who you don't have to worry about the defense. You can go out and get like a Brandon Nimmo who's killing it with the Mets right now. Um, and he can go out and play left or right field comfortably. And you wouldn't have to worry about Aloy Jimenez possibly getting injured. Uh, Andrew Vaughn wearing down over the, the the end of the season. And you won't have to worry about possibly a 36-year-old Jose Abreu with no power. You know, maybe he would win a batting title and, you know, have 200 hits. But, you know, only five home runs, especially in a place like, uh, you know, Petco, where I think he might fit. Well, here's, my, here's another question that pops up with that, though, to me, is that okay, you're letting Jose Abreu go and you basically take Andrew Vaughn out of that outfield equation, right? Mm-hmm. If that happens, like, A.J. Pollock's not going anywhere. Nope. And Luis Roberts not going anywhere. So where's – I mean, what are you doing? How are you – are you getting rid of sheets? Are you, are you telling Oscar Colas to just be depth? And that's fine because he's young and he might not be ready for the major leagues. But, um, I mean, you're saying they got to go sign an outfielder. They got to go sign an outfielder. You, then you just then you have the same number of corner outfielders that you just had before. Like what the, this this Jose Abreu thing needs to this Jose Abreu decision needs to come in my opinion with a ton else in addition to this plan because to to make to say all right bye Jose and just be like oh phew now we got rid of all our outfielders or all the outfielders fit where we need them to fit thank goodness like no they don't you still have Gavin Sheets out there Pollock's not going anywhere Robert's not going anywhere Aloy is is maybe a DH maybe they can play him in left field a few days a week as Miguel Cairo suggested at the end of the season um there there's needs to be a bigger plan in just you know what I mean I and I think I think most people's opinion from what I gather at least from the comments that I see on social media and stuff like that kind of begins and ends with Andrew Vaughn. And it's like, you know, Andrew Vaughn needs to play first base. So bye-bye Jose. All right. We took care of that. All business is settled. Let's move on to other things. And I think it's a much, um, it's a much more difficult puzzle than, than just that. I think you need to have another, you need to have another reason and another reason after that. And another reason after that, why it's okay to not have Jose Abreu anymore. And it can't just be, well, because Andrew Vaughn, it's time for Andrew Vaughn not play right field anymore. Yeah. I mean, I, the point about Pollock, I'm not sure if it's certain. I mean, he was he had a weighted runs created plus of 161 against left-handers. Like, he was really bad against right-handers this year. But you look career numbers-wise, the big reason why people were excited about the acquisition, uh, the Kimbrel for Pollock swap, was because he was neutral against left-handers and right-handers. So, I don't know. I think it was an odd season for A.J. Pollock. I think you could probably talk someone into an $8.5 million contract. And then that way it's equal to the buyout money. I'm not sure how he liked Chicago. I'm not sure if, if he wants to stay here, you know, but he he doesn't, 
but the person you need to talk into that contract is not, I mean, you know, a bird in the hands worth more than two in the bush. Right. I mean, like he can say, all right, there, that money, I'm pointing to that money right there. Why would you roll the dice on? Oh, I think I can probably talk somebody into giving me eight and a half million dollars when you could just have that it's done. It's in your contract. It's done. You can take it. <laughs> you could also, you know, possibly, you know, get an eight and a half million dollar contract and, and get a player option for, you know, you could try to secure the future. Cause it's just one year after that. You're talking, you're talking, you're talking 35 years old. Very, you're talking through some very, very specifically colored glasses. I think right there, I, I think would you, you want would AJ. You? I think you want AJ Pollock away. So this is easier for the white Sox. And I don't know if the, realistic uh outcome is anywhere close to that he would be yes. a fool he would be a fool to opt out of this deal i don't care how mm. much the deal is 13 million dollars as vinny said that's you got that and, and if the white Sox want to trade you from there bet bye i got my 13 million good but Great. who wants to take on 13 and a half million dollars of aj pollock they might want yes, to take no, it on you, eight and it, and a half. You, you traded for you me my my, oh. de- my deal was my deal no i'm saying if they want to trade you after that then cool but AJ Pollock, there's no decision. Like I would have before I left Guaranteed Rate Field that day on Wednesday. Like, yeah, I'm stuck to my deal. Just, just let you guys know that I'm accepting my deal. And then when it's official time, his agent calls. We accepted the deal, and he just doesn't talk to the White Sox until spring training. Yeah, and I, Vinny, I hear your point too about you know how do you fill that like the the, the plan of letting Jose Abreu walk still needs more fleshing out. Um, like right now, the roster that I played out with 13 hitters would be Aloy. Yasmani, Sebi, Vaughn, Sheets, Harrison, Leary, Mancata, Anderson, Mendick, Pollock, Robert, Colas. Those are the 13 players that I had uh, on the roster. So, I, you know, no, nothing that's like, wow, this team's going to be that much better because, you know, AJ Pollock's still in left field. Gavin Sheets and a rookie is in right field. Would Luis Robert be able to play a full 150 games like you'd want him to? Would Mancata be able to step back to 2019 levels? Grandal, would he, is he ever going to be the same? You know, so there's still a lot of question marks uh, in that plan. So I understand the idea of needing to flesh it out a bit more, but that's why there's free agency. Yeah. I'm just saying if, if that is the, if that's the shakeup, Getting rid of your best hitter and your clubhouse leader, I would have to imagine that the negatives would outweigh the positives on that. And I'm not saying that. Listen, Andrew Vaughn, we know is not that is not a very good outfielder. No, the White Sox would be much better defensively if he didn't have to play in the outfield. But I think they'd be a hell of a lot worse offensively if they if Jose Abreu was out of that lineup and nothing was done to replace him. Which I'm not disagreeing with. And yeah. again, uh, I, I, Jose Abreu was the best White Sox player in 2021. Or, yeah, 2021 and 2022. Um, but, yeah, I, I think still for the future, um, you know, I'm thinking about these kids. I don't know. I think I think it might be better for the kids. But we'll, we'll have time to discuss this. Let's tell you about Green Ridge Farms. Our friends over at Green Ridge Farms are a Chicago local meat and cheese company offering you a better all-natural option. They're the makers of all-natural deli meats, sausages, and their famous meat sticks. These meat sticks are perfect for tailgating, happy hour, school lunches, and their all-natural meat sticks are hardwood smoked for eight hours. They come in chicken, black forest beef, and flavors like jalapeno cheddar and spicy chili. If you haven't tried them yet, you don't know what you're missing out on. They are my favorite office snack easily. The, you know, the, the, uh, what, what, the crisp rice treats are decent. Uh, you know, maybe the, the popped white cheddar popcorn is decent, but I, you know, I like my meat. I'm a meat stick fan. Uh, they're delicious because they're made from recipes, generations in the making and being all natural. They deliver fresh and flavor, a flavorful alternative at snack time. You can find them in the refrigerated section at Costco slam Sam's club or in your local Chicago land grocery store. Uh, I was in jewel. Like I told you, and uh, you know, I, I got some green Ridge farms, deli meat over there, a pound at the deli. People at jewels, always very nice. And deli meat is fantastic. So right now when you order any three meat products at greenridgefarm.com and include a p- pack of meat sticks in your cart, those meat sticks will be free simply by using the code CHGO at checkout. So again, right now, when you order any three meat products at greenridgefarm.com, include a pack of meat sticks in your cart. Those meat sticks will be free simply by using the code CHGO at checkout. Now, also want to let you know about Athletic Greens. They are the longest partner here at CHGO. They have given us samples since day one. So I've been using AG1s for over seven months now. Uh, It is an AG1s body in the making. Uh, I wanted better gut health. I wanted more energy. And that is what AG1 has given me over these past seven months. I look forward to it each and every morning. It has a mild tropical taste. And with one 
scoop of AG1s. I absorb 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, or superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help me start my day right. Uh, and this special blend of ingredients helps support my gut health, my nervous system, my immune system, my energy, and my ability to focus all of the important things that I need to do a podcast well. It's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop of cup of, in a cup of water each and every day. That's it. No needs for millions of different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash C-H-G-O-S-O-X. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash C-H-G-O-S-O-X. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. There was another note in Bob Nightingale's report in USA Today, and it said the Chicago White Sox want to hire a veteran manager to replace Tony La Russa, not wanting to take a chance on someone with no experience. Some managers who fit the bill, Bruce Bochy, Mike Schilt, Ron Washington, John Gibbons, Bo Porter, Joe Girardi, Joe Madden, Bochi, Washington, and Schilt are considered to be the leading candidates. So let's start off with the report that the White Sox want to hire a veteran manager. Uh, this isn't too much of a shock. Uh, I think Rick Hahn referred to it someone with experience from a contending team. Uh, is, is that right, Benny? Yeah, I, I don't think that that uh, specific sentence or phrase, whatever you want to call it in, in, in Bob's report there, was uh, surprising at all. Uh, it, it's very much in line with what Rick was saying at his end-of-season press conference. Uh, you know, recent experience with a contending organization as a key decision-maker in that dugout, uh, you know, to use all the words that, that Rick was talking about. Um, it makes a lot of sense because I think – this is what they that's what they thought they were going to get with Tony LaRussa. And obviously there was a lot of different stuff that went with the hiring of Tony LaRussa. But one thing that you couldn't argue was that he was a veteran who knew how to help a team win the World Series. That's he had done that numerous times, uh, a, a wealth of experience and a wealth of winning experience. Um, it didn't work out that way, obviously, this year. But um, when it came to it. When it came to all right, show us what you got. Show us the guy who 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 knows what knows which buttons to push. Uh, you know, to to get this team over the hump. We didn't really see that. Um, but it makes sense with the roster the way it's currently constructed. Uh, a bunch of guys who, uh, you know, have been through this rebuilding process. This is a team that's ready ready to win and ready to win right now. Uh, in terms of their uh, their rebuilding timeline, right? Uh, it would make sense that you would want somebody who can come in with a sure hand and, and steer the car in the correct direction that knows where the road goes, by the way. So I, I think that uh, that part of it do, uh, doesn't really surprise at all. Um, when you get to some of the other names, you can kind of, uh, you know, look, uh, you know, start splitting hairs and see if how they would exactly fit uh, in, in what the White Sox have going. But in terms of just someone who's done this before, uh, that doesn't make, uh, uh, that doesn't come with a lot of a shock. And I think it actually is probably, you know, the way that, that that makes the most sense for this team right now for the reasons that I talked about and probably the reasons that they're considering uh, in that front office. I am a fan of giving a coach and manager a second chance at managing again, especially if he failed, uh, and I'll put those in quotes for failed, because he can take the lessons learned in the first job and apply them to the second job. I look at so many of the managers that are doing well today in Major League Baseball, we have people like Bob Melvin giving second and third chances to do the job right. Scott Service, even though this is his first job, he's been there for as long as two managers would have been there. Given with two different general managers there, uh, the chance to develop this talent, the chance to find his voice within the, the clubhouse and have the leadership needed. So I am a fan of doing that. So Bruce Bochy would be, I think, his third uh, managerial job. Of course, he's a Hall of Famer as soon as he stops playing or as soon as he stops managing for enough years. Um, the other names, not too great. Ron Washington, maybe. I'm thinking that guy has some leadership quality that everybody likes to talk about, but it just didn't work out with Texas down there. So maybe in his next job, he would be a little bit better suited for there. But all those guys all seem old school. And now I don't know they're, how progressive they are. I mean, Bochi was in San Francisco, a very progressive organization, so he had to be willing to listen to a couple more analytically-based people. But at the end of the day, I think most of those guys are not analytic-resistant, but they don't see it as far as moving forward, helping your team that way. I would like a person that you can mold and shape, like a coach that is on the bench, like a Jose uh, Joe Espada, like they're going to hire uh, Carlos Beltran, 
or uh, for the Mets, and then they had to fire him because of the scandal out there. Those guys who have different organizational skills, but also it seems like they're more um, community building and they're just the CEO of the bench. So they can, you know, get all the information from everybody and then they're the final decision with a well-resourced information so he can make the best decision for this team. Those older guys, they might be good and crusty and bring down the hammer. I don't know if they're right for the White Sox going forward. Right. If you're a fan of maybe Joe Espada coming over from Houston, if you're a fan of Matt Quattaro coming over from uh, the Rays, if you're a fan of uh, Pedro uh, uh, Grifolo, uh, Grifo, uh coming over from the Royals organization, uh, you know, this report might put you out on it uh, to talk about some of the guys that were named Bochi, a three-time World Series winner with San Francisco. Um, he was uh, basically a 500 manager um, in San Francisco, but he had three title wins, which man- uh, matters a lot. Uh, Mike Schilt was the uh, recently ousted manager from St. Louis. He went 252 and 199 in his time in St. Louis. Uh, he made it to one NLCS in 2019 and won the division once in his four years. Uh, uh, the other name that was mentioned as a uh, leading candidate, candidate you mentioned Ron Washington, Herb, uh, 664 and 661 in Texas, a 521 winning percentage. He went to two World Series in 2010 and 2011 with the Rangers. John Gibbons is a former World Series winner as a bench coach, uh, I believe, with the Red Sox. No, he was never a Bench coach for the Red Sox, my bad. Uh, John Gibbons, though, uh, manager of the Blue Jays and uh, Blue Jays only uh, from 2004, 2008, and 2013, 2018. I could have sworn John Gibbons was with the Red Sox. Who am I thinking? Of? I think you're thinking of John Farrell. John who Farrell also was also a Blue you. Jays slash man, uh, the Red Sox manager. That's my bad. Uh, John Gibbons was 79, uh, 793 and 789 uh, with his time in Toronto over those two stints uh, with a 500 record, went to two ALCS with Toronto in 2015 and 2016. Uh, Joe Girardi was recently fired from the Phillies. Uh, Joe Madden recently fired from the Angels. And Bo Porter was an odd name to be brought up. Uh, Bo Porter was the manager before the Astros got good. He was the manager from 2013 to 2014. He had a winning record of 110 and 190. And the last time he was even on a team was uh, 2014 as the third base coach or 2016 as the third base coach of the Braves. Um, so some odd names thrown in there, Herb. I wouldn't mind all of them. Uh, I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, some of them. Uh, I, I guess I wouldn't mind Bruce Bochy, but there's health concerns with him. Uh, Ron Washington has been with the Braves, so maybe he'd be able to take some knowledge there. I, I don't know if I'd write uh, Ron Washington off completely. Um, Mike Schilt, though, the other leading candidate, uh, I'm a hell no to that one. Exactly. And, yeah, like I said, Ron Washington might be a number a name I would look for to Bochi, of course, if it's a healthy Bruce Bochi that I can count on for 162, sign me up. But you saw and heard what Ozzie Guillen had to say in the post game. He's good friends with him. He said Bochi's got worse health than Tony. You know, take it with a grain of salt. It's Ozzie Guillen saying that. But also he's plugged in too. And Mike Schilt, yeah, I'm real good on him. Bo Porter, Joe Girardi, Joe Madden, no. Just know on me for all those guys. Now watch one of those guys get hired. I just don't want a person that has done it like Joe Girardi did it this year, and they saw that it didn't work out with the new school approach. And something that happened with when they fired him, they just started winning. Now, is it because of the manager? Probably not. And like 95% of that is probably because the players just started hitting. But was the manager holding them down? Maybe. Maybe the message was different, and they just needed to get somebody else in there. Same thing with Joe Madden. He was on Inside the Clubhouse a couple of weeks ago talking about it's too much analytics. It's too much. And I'm sure the people in Anaheim were pushing him. Hey, Joe, you should do this, that, and the other. This will put you in a better situation for winning. And he was this resistant because of the way he was brought up. And it's probably hard. You've been a baseball man and a successful baseball man for you know, the majority of your life and these young whippersnappers are coming in here telling you how you should be running the game, even though you have had success doing it your way. So for multiple reasons, I wouldn't want Joe, either Girardi or Madden. It's an interesting list, uh, but I think it's a list that Sox fans might need to get used to, at least in terms of the quality and, uh, you know, the appealingness uh, of those candidates, otherwise known as appeal, 
you know, or I, I'm not sure about making up words uh, like appealingness. That's not very good. But uh, no, I do it all I, the I mean, time. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, you know, I'm a the, butcher the, of the English language. I've got the. I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be the guy who knows what he's talking about when it comes to <laughs> to words. Um, it's a list of people who is probably not very exciting. Herb, you listed all of it in terms of the old school nature and and maybe that's how that you know that's not going to work very well. You know the guys who do make that work very well? Guys who come from front offices, guys who come from, you know, guys who come from the broadcast booth in some uh, situations. Um, I don't know if that is what the White Sox are looking for right now. Uh, you know, there was a there was a comp- comparison made during Rick Hahn's press conference to a guy with the career path of Craig Council, the, the Brewers manager, who's done a really good job. I think everybody would agree up there in Milwaukee. Um but, you know, he didn't have any managerial experience. He, he he came out of the front office like that, and they threw him down there. I think that, you know, that that candidate, if you're looking for the guy who's in the White Sox front office currently, is a guy like Chris Getz, right? A guy who's been, uh, you know, obviously he's much farther up the ladder, assistant GM, but, uh, you know, a, a guy that has playing experience uh, and then learns the analytical side, if you want to call it that, of the front office, and then steps into a managerial role. Uh, a lot of guys have been doing that. I think you can point to to the guy who's running the team on the north side as a, as a guy who would come from that kind of path, career route kind of thing. The White Sox didn't, or Rick Hahn in that press conference, didn't really to, seem to express a lot of interest in hiring somebody from that career path. Um, doesn't mean he doesn't want somebody with those skills and those qualities, but I think right now they're placing an emphasis on experience in the dugout and uh you know that could be a a bench coach like i mean joe espada has fits fits what rick was talking about you know a key a guy that's key in the decision making for a championship caliber team uh you know but it might mean hey we want somebody who's done this before um when i hear bruce bochi when i hear people shout out bruce bochi I think, okay, you're doing the Tony La Russa thing again, right? right? I mean, nothing, you know, obviously uh, uh, Bochi was managing much more recently. Three years ago, I think, is, was his last year uh, in San Francisco. But, you know, there's a guy who managed for 25 years, had great success winning uh, three championships in San Francisco, and now you're basically going to the guy who maybe has the best Hall of Fame, uh, you know, resume of somebody who's out there available. I mean, it, 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 my first reaction to that, when people say, Oh, uh, Bochi, Bochi, he's done it. He won championships. He, his most recent championship is three years more recent than Tony LaRusso's most recent championship. Ron Washington is another septuagenarian. Everybody was right. getting on Tony LaRusso constantly. And, and again, I don't think that should disqualify somebody from the job. Uh, you know, there are people out there who have done it effectively, uh, at that age and that's fine. Um, but people were constantly getting on Tony for not being new school enough, bringing in somebody who's been in the game for, you know, half of a century is not moving in a different direction from the guy that you just, you know, who, whose tenure just ended. Um, that being said, from everything you hear about the Braves, those players love Ron Washington and, and, you know, they, they, they uh, have a very positive reaction to him. And maybe that's something that you do want to bring over to your clubhouse, because when you talk to the players, obviously, their most important quality in the, in the next manager is, is a communicator is, is somebody who is going to be, uh, uh, you know, really easy to work with, which makes sense. It's the guy you got to work with on a daily basis. So um, it's, it's a fine needle to thread. And I think Rick Hahn alluded to it in his press conference when he said, you make this list of qualities that we want, this list of attributes that you want, and you make this list of candidates that we might be thinking about. You know, I think he said they were, had already talked about a dozen or 15 guys. And I think he said, in the ideal world, one of those guys hits all the attribute thing, but maybe that person doesn't exist. And I think it's it, it could very well be a situation where go ahead and make your uh, your dream candidate, right? Your, your your blind resume. This is what I want from this guy without knowing who it is. It might not apply to anybody that's on the market or anybody that they interview. Um, I think right now you mentioned uh, uh, the the Royals uh, bench coach um, right. as a guy who who might be. Uh, being talked to, I mean, he doesn't meet that quality of of dugout experience for a championship caliber team. I mean, we're talking about the Royals here. They're, they're worse off than the White Sox over the last several years. Uh, but what, what did what have we heard all about? We've heard about hearing new perspectives and and hearing fresh ideas. And you know what? 
maybe there's something, one little thing that the Royals do that the White Sox should be doing that way or, or more similar in that direction. So, of course, you should interview all these guys, whether they check every box on your uh, attribute list or not. Um, you know, uh, Sean, you you read off that entire thing that I wrote uh, back in 2020 when it was taking all of what Rick Hahn said in in what they want out of a manager and applying it to Tony Larusa and how none of it equaled up. Uh, it just kind of goes to show you that sometimes the the search process can go in a different direction. And I think the best thing that the White Sox can do is interview as many people as possible and get as many ideas as possible to see how uh, various guys would apply to what they're trying to do in that in that clubhouse. Absolutely. And we look to the last managerial search that they had. They came away with the two candidates of Tony LaRussa, uh, somebody with a ton of managerial experience, and A.J. Hinch, who came from a contending organization who had a ton of managerial experience. Um, obviously, that was something that stuck out to them. Uh, that was something that you know ended up mattering uh, down in the uh, when it came to the, uh, you know, the, the last candidates. Um, even Dusty Baker, too. You, you bring up the septuage, septuagenarian uh, aspect of being over 70 years old. Um, but Dusty Baker is killing it right now in Houston and what he does uh, in communicating. And you saw the recent story of him helping break uh, Alex Bregman Bregman's fast uh, for Yom Kippur uh, by going out to like the best New York uh, deli and, and getting him uh, the goods. Like, you know, that that's a heartwarming story. And it, it still shows you that he can, you know, he can be in touch with, with humans and, you know, age is just a number, but also that's health catches up to you at certain numbers. And we saw that with Tony LaRussa, like Tony LaRussa met every single uh, one of those, uh, you know, uh, credentials that we hope for, you, you know, from 2020. Yeah. I mean, they should interview Ron Washington. They should, and they should interview Bruce Bochy and they should interview uh, Pedro Griefel and they should interview Willie Harris. I mean, they should talk to everybody because when you talk to everybody, you could find a surprise. You could be like, oh, wow, we did, we were planning on hiring somebody who's won three World Series, but this guy from the Royals comes in and he blew us away and he's the perfect fit. We found the perfect fit kind of thing. Or it could be confirmation, right? We want to talk to some of these young guys or some of these guys who haven't gotten a chance to see if they have the, if, if they have the potential to be what they want them to be. They really don't. And we're going to go with the guy who's won three World Series in San Francisco. So it it, it very much should be a fact-finding mission a, they they need to I mean think about it you know an important decision that you make right whether you're going uh, you know looking for a new job or, or or looking for to buy a house or a car or a new rent a new apartment or something like that the more research you do the more data you got the more informed a decision you can make and certainly that's what the White Sox should be doing here whether the guy's seventy or twenty and like Vinny says you should be doing the wide net casting out there just because of the information you get back and also. I think you feel better about your decision after you see more people. Like if you came into this as, okay, we're going to pick Bruce Bochy or we're going to pick Ron Washington and that's on your mind. And that's your number one candidate. A la how Kenny Williams kind of had Cito Gaston as his number one candidate going to the interviews in 2004 for the 2004 manager. And Jerry said, Hey, how about you just humor me? Give an interview to this guy, Ozzie Guillen. You know him. He's a loudmouth guy. Used to be a former uh, player here. Was coach of the Braves and the Marlins. Cool. I'll humor you. You go in there in that room and you get blown away by the baseball knowledge. You were All your preconceived notions about Ozzie Guillen were wrong. You know that he's a baseball man. He's the perfect man for the job. You hire him. He has success here. I think you could do the same and maybe not the similar thing. And hopefully Jerry's not involved in you know telling Rick and or Kenny who to interview because if you even suggest, Hey, you should interview this guy. That's pretty much telling them, Hey, you should interview that guy, but throw the wide net out there. So you can know exactly when you do make the decision that you made the correct decision. You left no stone left unturned and you made sure that you talk to everybody who's available out there. And then when your decisions made you like, okay, I can rest my head on my pillow knowing I made the best process and the best decision for this team going forward. Well, and Vinny, you mentioned uh, Pedro Griefel uh, possibly getting an interview. Uh, this is from Enrique Rojas, uh, sorry, Enrique Rojas of uh, ESPN Deportes. Uh, the Miami Marlins, Chicago White Sox, and Kansas City Royals are eyeing Cuban American Pedro Griefel for their open managerial jobs. Multiple sources told ESPN Digital the Miami native already has interviews scheduled with all three entities. Um, so you'd you know, hope that they'd be able to 
interview people, uh, like you said, Vinny, and uh, I, you know, the the talk and and Herb, you've been mentioning this too, is the White Sox are too insular. Uh, Rick Hahn mentioned that as well. So just talking to these people uh, is something that would be huge and the right step for the White Sox. Um, and just to give you background too on Griefel, um, he's been with the Royals since 2013, was named bench coach under Mike Matheny in 2020, but he has a ton of experience. Uh, he was a scout from 2003 to 2005, then a minor league instructor in the Mariners system, then was director of minor league operations for the Mariners, uh, just kind of like Chris Getz, like you mentioned, Vinny, um, kind of having that front office background as well. But he's been a hitting instructor. He's been a catching instructor. Uh, he's been a base coach. Uh, so he's done it all. Uh, it's a baseball a, man. He's a, a former catcher. Uh, uh, you know, we love catchers. Uh, so maybe he is that baseball man that would fit for the White Sox and doesn't have that managerial, uh, you know, uh, thought process or, or doesn't have that managerial experience um, and doesn't really have that uh, the contending background, um, I guess. They won a World Series in 2013, so it was with the the team. So maybe they'd count that. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know, maybe he wins them over enough. Uh, another name that hasn't been mentioned that I'm kind of bummed out with uh, is Kurt, Curtis Granderson. I think he'd be an interesting name for manager. Uh, but maybe he's too uh, for the players that they don't want him, uh, or maybe that he wouldn't want to take that job. Uh, maybe he likes being on the outside and helping uh, lift up players from the outside using his platform. But Curtis Granderson, if we're going to mention Carlos Beltran, uh, Curtis uh, Curtis Granderson pretty damn cool too so i i just it's chicago kid too so i I like the connections i would love curtis grandison be the white Sox man to at least be you know considered for that because i believe he is a smart player and respected worldwide so the respect would be there i just don't know his baseball bona fides as far as strategy as far as lineup construction and as far as how he views analytics how he deals with other people in in a position of leadership because has he had that really in baseball no, he's never been a bench boss. He's never been a manager anywhere, has he? Mostly it's been a media guy. I just don't want to be training a guy on the job, if you know what I mean. Like, it's going to be a learning experience for him, and then he has to learn the players, and then, hey, we're in contention here, Curtis. I know you're going to have missteps in your rookie year. Can't be here, though. Sorry, I also, I also think that we, we got to stop with the whole, uh, oh, well, I heard him talk baseball on TV, so he, he <laughs> sounds good. I'd like to do him. Uh, you know, the, the uh, ability to be a broadcaster, the ability to have a good public relations face is a, uh, an aspect of the managerial job in Major League Baseball. Uh, it is far from the most important one, I would argue, uh, even though from my standpoint, you know, me interacting with the, the manager on a daily basis – You'd love to have a guy who's got the good uh, who's got the good communication skills on that on, in that front, but uh, in general, I, I think uh, you know we got to get away from. Oh, I heard him talk baseball once, and he sounded good. So no, I think we go ahead and uh, you want a, a guy with some experience doing something. See, Vinny, I like that uh, thought process, and that's why in 2024, I'm going to be voting for Steve Stone for president. Um, he's really, uh, I think, of in that right the age. United States? Of the United States. <laughs> uh, that's a, that, I would stay away from that. Again, uh, you know, experience is probably something you want to be looking for. U.S. citizen. Uh, he's He's got experience, life experience. I mean, you just hear him talk. I mean, he can relate to every an everyday American. Anyways, uh Bet on points bet, people. This football season, you got to bet on points bet. Uh, there's a game happening right now. Uh, you're not listening to it right now. Hopefully, you're listening to this on Monday because this is a Monday podcast. But this football season, points bet bring you a better way to bet live on games. So tonight, when Kansas City and Oakland are facing off, it means you can place a bet on the game uh, tonight. And you can place a live same game parlay bet. You can bet on the next drive to be a touchdown and cash out your second half live over bet. So whether you're on the move or on the couch, do it live on points bet. You can download the points bet app today and sign up with code CHGO to get two risk free bets up to $2,000. And if you or somebody who has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. Tomorrow we will be with you at 4 p.m. It will be a live show on Monday the 10th. And just want to make sure it's 4 p.m., right? Yeah, 4 p.m. So we'll be live back in the CHGO studios. Me, Herb, and Vinny will be talking more White Sox, probably talking Jose Abreu in some way or another. And uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So make sure you're joining us, and we'll probably be answering your questions too. So if you are a CHGO member and you have access to our Discord channel, drop a question for Vinny and Herb and I for the Monday podcast. But for Vinny Duber, our CHGO White Sox beat writer, you can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. Uh, for Herb Lawrence, you can follow him on Twitter at Eckermall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. We have no producer, so goodbye. Have a great night. All right. Uh, I'll post this, and uh, I'll see you guys tomorrow.
four o'clock see, tomorrow? Four, four yeah. o'clock. All right. Four, four on Notion. Cool. Cool. See you. Bye.